Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, as always. And in a little bit here coming up, we're going to have a surprise guest for you guys. Should we? I guess we should probably just say who it is at this point, so it's not going to be a surprise, right? It's probably in the title of the podcast. That's true. That's true. I didn't really. They're not really surprised. <laughs> Do you want to just start over? I think you may no, need. No, to no, start. no. It's, it, it's hit it's, reset button. It's Take right. Take the game out. Blow on it. Put it back in. Power that thing up. You got this. It's going to be Ryan Barto, FSU's director of high school relations. There we go. But don't tell anyone. So we do have a pretty action-packed podcast for you guys today with Ryan Barto. I'm not starting over, Chris. I'm not doing that. We're on a time crunch here. Part of my anxiety is that. So we're going to have FSU's newest addition to its off-field staff and Ryan Barto. He's formerly a co-worker with Josh and Chris. Our paths might have crossed like very, very briefly. So that's been a big addition for FSU. You guys are excited to hear from him. I know people have been asking about it on the message board. Uh, we're delivering on that promise to try to get him on here. Before we get into that, guys, uh, let's go into some updates, some new stuff with recruiting, and then a little bit of baseball, a little bit of basketball, because that's all in full swing right now. <laughs> See what I did there with baseball, full swing, Chris. Uh, but let's talk about F- FSU's place in the latest transfer rankings. Uh, 24-7 rolled them out the other day. There was a reaction to it. So FSU has four guys in the top 50. It's Mackenzie Milton, Brandon Moore, Jermaine Johnson, as well as Jamie Robinson. I think that's pretty good, right? Four in the top 50, but but some people aren't happy with it. I'm okay with four in the top 50. I think Andrew Parchman's another guy whose impact may be that good, where he could fall in there too. They didn't rank him. So going through the rankings, it's it's interesting to look at, I guess, what was valued and what wasn't valued. And I think that's maybe like the one. And some people want us to get on here and, and critique our company's rankings were, we're not going to, to, to do that. I just want to make a lot of sense. I, I was surprised that Jermaine Johnson was so low and almost didn't make the cut into the top 50. He was actually 50th McKenzie Melton for uh, context. There was 16th, pretty high up there. One of the highest ranked players, Brandon Moore was 28th and Jamie Robinson's with was 31st. I would wholeheartedly, and I didn't have anything to do with these rankings. Truthfully, I'm not even completely sure exactly how they went about deciding how they were going to rank them. But to me, Johnson is what Moore should be. Moore should be ranked what Johnson is, and Johnson should be what Moore's. Yeah, flip Johnson's flip value is so much too. greater. I know it's a limited time, but so is Moore. So they're kind of equal in that sense, apples to apples. But to me, Johnson's value is so much greater. They have a pass rusher, a drastically better football team. He's also a very talented pass rusher. He mm-hmm. was simply buried on an extremely talented depth chart at Georgia. And he wasn't buried. He played. He just wasn't a starter. Yeah, five sacks and like 150 pass rush uh, attempts. And that's uh, one of the things, I guess, if we are going to be critical, like that I didn't understand was, say, someone like Mike Jones, who transferred the linebacker from Clemson, who's transferred to LSU. I think he was, uh, let me pull it up. He was like in the top 10. He was number six. He had a 95 rating. Like he didn't start there full time. I think the most snaps he ever played in the season was 300. Now, now he played like periodically and every season and graded out well consistently. Uh, but he didn't have a whole lot more production or experience than Jermaine Johnson. So I, I'm not sure on some of that, but he was Jermaine Johnson was at least ranked in total. FSU had the let's see, they had two more guys who were ranked in the top ten of their respective positions. DJ Williams at running back. He was the eighth ranked running back. Jarquez McClellan. Uh, he was the sixth ranked cornerback. So uh, in total, like it's a pretty good group of incoming transfers, which we already kind of expected that, that that's what was valued. I was surprised Kerry Thomas wasn't listed anywhere given his experience. I know he's not super productive, but has been a pretty 
steady player throughout his career at South Carolina. And then Chris mentioned Andrew Parchment. So that's it. We just wanted to touch on that real quick. Anything else to add on it, Chris? FSU was considered a winner of the transfer market. And along with a handful of other schools were singled out for it. I think we all knew that that's where FSU, that's the direction they went when recruiting was only going to be so-so. They instead went with raising the floor instead of trying to hit with guys that have a high ceiling. Newberg, I'm going to give you the the option here to either drop a hot take on the rankings or to transition us to talking about some of the running back board and, and quarterback board pieces that you've put out the last couple of days as we start to put our attention to uh, future classes here for FSU. Once I take a look at the rankings, I'll give you a hot take. I don't really care about the, <laughs> the transfer rankings, to be quite honest with you. But what? I do I do care about the quarterback board for 2022. Um, I started a series called Breaking Down the Board on Knowles 24-7. Each day will be a different position. We started at quarterback on Monday and on Tuesday, I dropped the running back board. Um, you guys can read the full stories on Knowles 24 seven, a couple of things that stood out to me on the, we'll start at quarterback, but Florida state's going to take one as we all know, one more, I should say uh, Florida state does have a commitment from Arizona four-star pro style quarterback, Nico Markiel. Um, he committed to the Seminoles on January 31st. So they are looking to add one more to the class, preferably from the high school ranks. Um, as we've noted on the site and talked about on the pod, AJ Duffy stands out as probably the priority right now. Um, and we're going to find out soon on him. We don't have a, a direct date, but he does want to make his final decision in March. Um, great relationship with, Kenny Dillingham, also Ryan Bartow, who's going to join us on the podcast, um, has a relationship with Duffy as well from his time at Exos when he was on the West Coast. Um, two other names that were on the board were MJ Morris and Taven Jackson. We've talked about those guys. On the running back board that came out today, um, we think Florida State's going to take one, most likely, and they want to get a guy out of the high school ranks. Um, they've added a couple transfers, DJ Williams, Jay Sean Corbin, uh, but they want to get back to the, to the high school ranks, landed back. One name that stands out to me among the names that we listed was a story and a player that Brendan did a feature on this morning as well. Thomas Castellanos. Um, he's an intriguing name. He's out of Ware County, Georgia in Waycross, um, Waycross, Georgia, Ware County high school. I'm sorry. But he's relatives, he's related to Devontae Freeman, which is interesting. He's actually from South Florida, moved to uh, to Georgia a couple of years ago, and he's only beginning to get interest. He has only a handful of offers, but FSU is one of them. Um, he continues to hear from other schools, but I think this one might be, that might be the guy FSU tries to lock down early. To add on Casalanos, he uh, did some seven-on-seven seven this past weekend. He's a high school quarterback but he's more of an athlete at this point in his high school career in the sense of the way colleges view him. He was very, very good. I think he was, where was that seven on that, that he was part of this South past? Carolina Myrtle beach. Yeah. yeah and I'm Myrtle beach. played a lot of receiver did yes. very well, highly praised. Now he may play, he may play in the seven on this weekend and he may be called upon as a quarterback because of the team he's with may need a quarterback. So that kind of speaks to his versatility, but yeah, he's a guy that FSU likes. And as we mentioned on one of the more recent previous pods, FSU is definitely making a push in the South Georgia intentionally. I know Ivan's and Walt Fong both came away because they were at that event, if, if I'm not mistaken. They both came away very impressed with, with Castellanos too. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's worth throwing out there that he's he's someone who consistently is being talked about at a high level, and it's really been a rapid rise in his his recruitment. He did tell me 
Um, we spoke the other day that, that FSU is very high for him right now. He's going to keep getting offers, though. That's going to keep happening. So FSU is good to have gotten in pretty early from him. I think the second Power 5 offer that he's had at Kansas was the first. Uh, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who's the linebacker? That's someone I didn't put down in the script. The linebacker from Georgia, from South Georgia, I believe, that was spoken to at the event as well. That That's apparently pretty high on FSU and vice versa. So a uh, top two, four, seven linebacker, Jaron Willis from Leesburg is who you're talking about. He's a talented kid. FSU has been involved there for a while. There's a ton of schools involved there. The ones that you would expect regionally, you know, Auburn, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Tennessee, so on and so forth. Some other ones, Nebraska, Oklahoma State in there. He spoke a bit about things this past weekend. He's not quite ready to make a decision or anything of that sort, but FSU is certainly one of his top schools. I would consider Florida in that same breath. He likes Arkansas a lot. He spoke about them a good bit. The key for him is being able to take some visits. Miami's not wanting to mix a big three in the state of Florida. Um, <clears throat> he may wait until December to decide. We shall see. As we know, the dead period has been extended to the end of May. So kids are going to take a wait and see. Some are going to rush and go ahead and jump on board at places because they're not worried about it. Others are going to say, well, I'm going to keep kicking the can down the road, hoping I can make visits. I think he falls more into that second category. Okay, one other thing on the recruiting front that I want to go over real quick, get your guys' thoughts on, see if you have any insights or analysis on it, and that is that FSU was in top blank, would in- include whatever number here for a couple guys, uh, for Kevin Coleman, five-star wide receiver, so it was a big one from uh, the 2022 class. Uh, FSU was in the top eight for him. Then Taiji Hill, who is a four-star defensive tackle out of New Orleans, went to the same high school as Destin Hill. Uh, he's a top. He listed FSU as a top 10 school for him i did catch up with hill earlier today and he said that he wants to make a decision in august really likes coach yak likes the coaching staff here they've been in on him for about a month so a month or so as far as offering but they've been talking to him longer than that so uh so fsu seems to be good standing for both of those guys i've heard good things really good things about fsu and kevin coleman as well like that's just not a a pity list for him for fsu he legitimately likes fsu from my understanding do you guys have anything to add to that Coleman's their top wide receiver target, and I've been told that by a couple sources. He's insanely talented. He's a five-star. FSU is really, really in that one. Travis Hunter is actually playing a pretty big role in trying to help with that recruitment. So that's you, part of that. Did you see the Travis Hunter catches this weekend from the seven-on-seven guys? Speaking yeah, of- he's a little, little talented, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, it's every week that he is on the football field, something special happens. It's amazing. And then with Hill, as you mentioned, they, they've they been involved in that one far longer than the offer has been extended. I think the biggest thing to look for there is to tie to Destin Hill. I think they are actually cousins, correct? I asked him if, if Destin Hill would be play a big role for him. I could ask if they're cousins or not and clarify that. He did say that Destin would be the quote-unquote cherry on top, that it's not making a decision, but that is the cherry on top, which I thought was a yeah, good way to put if, it. If they're not cousins, they are actually very close. It's one of those relationships because of the same school that actually does matter. So I think that will help FSU there. And D-tackle is one of those positions where, you know, if you asked me a month ago who the top target is, I couldn't tell you. I think at this point it's still kind of tough to single out a single player but I certainly think Hill is one of them. All righty. So that's it for recruiting. Anything you want to add there, Josh, or should we throw it to our main man for a little bit of hoops and a little bit of baseball talk? Nah, man, I'm just, uh, I'm just glad to be back. Let's, uh, let's hear some hoops. You're saving your energy for Bartow. All right, Chris, let's get to hoops at first. Uh, been another, another good weekend for the Knowles. 
Yeah, FSU basketball is up to nine in the coaches' poll and 11 in the AP poll, and that's because idiots like John Wilner vote in the AP poll. That's the reason I'm the top 10. <laughs> Who's John Wilner? I want to know who we're He's a West in. Coast guy. He ah. has extreme ballot always. He's actually an excellent reporter in the sense of having news and being good with it, but as far as doing polls, he loves living the extreme life, and I'm just not here for it. He's been that way dating back to when FSU was in the top 10 for football consistently for that three, four year period of 12 to 15. And he'd have some weird ballots with football and same goes for hoops. I'm just not here for it. Watch FSU, watch college basketball. FSU is a top 10 team. You're not going to convince me otherwise. And if you're trying to pick teams that can compete for the final four, FSU is one of those. And that means they should be in the top 10. Their record also says they should be in the top 10. Um, of course, last week whooped up on Virginia. That's now eight days removed. And then Saturday they went to Pitt. Tough place for them to win, 179-72. First victory there in five visits. Turk, Raekwon Gray had a very good day. MJ Walker, he was present but did not score a single point on the day. I think that speaks to FSC's depth that they're able to play that way. I believe it was 33 off the bench and 44 in the paint, roughly, were the numbers for them on that day. Kind of speaks to the way the game was played. Consistently, FSU led by like six to as many as 11, but that game was never really put away. They hit their free throws down the stretch, which was key winning the game. Pretty important victory. They go to Miami Wednesday night. They should clean the floor with Miami, to be completely truthful. Miami at this point only has about six players available. The starting point guard who played against FSU in the first meeting is no longer available. They're actually moving their two guard to the point guard position. Isaiah Wong, who had 21 points against FSU in the first meeting. They just don't have the horses to run. That's one of those games where Miami might hang for a half, but I think they're going to mightily struggle in the final 10 minutes to stay with a very deep FSU team. And then a pretty big test coming up on Saturday at Chapel Hill against UNC. UNC is playing pretty good ball right now. I think they have Marquette coming up this week. They've added a couple games here recently just because they were so short on games. So they're going to have a couple tests before the FSU game. But UNC's played better ball over the last couple weeks than they were earlier in the season. So that should be a pretty good game. And then they have two games to wrap up the season after that before the ACC tournament rolls around. I don't expect FSU basketball to reschedule any games at this current time unless something happens to the current standing games. Um, Pitt was kind of a late reschedule, but that's because a VTech game fell through and Pitt had a game fall through. I don't see that happening again as of right now, but that's where hoop stands. I think they have a good chance of going 2-0 this week. I think UNC is by far the bigger test. Switching over to the baseball diamond, FSU baseball started two and one. Of course, for the hell of it, they started own one for the second straight year. <laughs> just just so message boards could, you know, light fires Whoa. and throw things in anger. They lost seven to four in the opener. Um, they just didn't play particularly well at the plate. The approach stunk. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. described it as much. He was extremely unhappy with the approach at the plate in that first game. They won the next two games, which was a Sunday doubleheader. 14 to four and eight to four. Connor Grady was very good in that second game, the eight to four victory in the first game. Carson Montgomery made his first career start freshman, highly regarded top player that did not go in the MLB draft that went to college instead out of high school. He was very good. He did not get the win because his uh, start only went in four and a third instead of get, getting five under his belt. 
Um, all in all, on the weekend, FSU used, you know, upwards of almost 20 pitchers out of the 23 on the roster. I think it was 16, 17, somewhere in that ballpark that they ended up throwing out there on the mound. The returns on those guys were kind of half and half. Some very good, extremely impressive outings. Chase Haney does what Chase Haney does, making two appearances on the weekend. And then there were some guys who struggled mightily. Ross Dunn comes to mind, for example. There were a couple others that just did not have a good showing. But they're going to keep getting opportunities. I think they're going to throw a lot of pitchers out there consistently to kind of figure out what they have at their disposal as they get more in the crunchiness of the ACC schedule here in future weeks. The ACC schedule actually does start this coming Friday at 6 p.m. when they host Pitt. That's their next game. They also have an 8 p.m. Saturday game with Pitt that will be on the ACC network. And then the series wraps up on Sunday. Pitt, traditionally not the biggest challenger in the ACC, but baseball is a weird game and things can happen. I think the key for FSU this weekend is just look a little sharper, better approach at the plate. They had five errors in the field last week with three of them coming from freshman third baseman Vince Smith. Maybe want to see a little bit of cleanup on that. Base running, they had a couple stolen bases with Logan Lacey, but they also had a couple base running miscues. But all in all, they were pretty aggressive on base patch, which I certainly welcome is something that Mike Martin Jr. certainly wants to do. I think we're going to continue to see that, but don't run yourself into stupid outs between first and second when there's a base runner at second. Run yourself into maybe what would be considered a stupid out at home plate because you're trying to force the action and score a run. I'm cool with that. I don't want to see the first and second miscue. Um, all in all, though, you know, they were fine for the first weekend. Rankings didn't change a whole lot. Still nine in Baseball America, still 24 in D1 Baseball. What should they really be ranked? We're not going to know for about a month, and that's true for most of college baseball. He is a freaking maniac, isn't he, Josh? That was impressive. I love it. He's taking a victory swig right now. Okay. Let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we're going to have Ryan Bartow join us, talk a little bit about his role. And you're going to hear plenty of uh, stories of him and Newberg catching up, I'm sure. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, we have FSU's newly hired director of high school relations, Ryan Bartow. Ryan, welcome to On the Bench. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, enjoying this awesome weather. It's great to be back in the number one state in the country in the great state of Florida. So let's get going on that. When when you were approached by FSU and given your, your time uh, in Florida and understand the state, like what was that like to hear from FSU and to kind of have the realization like I, I can work for Florida State? Well, one of the most iconic brands in college football, one of the top programs in college football. So it's always a blessing, very humbling and equally as exciting to come back to warm weather, to where all the talent exists and where most of my authentic high school relations and and ties exist as well. So very excited. They have been pursuing me, honestly, for about two months. One of my true pals in the business is uh, Seminole's offensive coordinator, Ken Dillingham. So he said that they were having an opening. So he kind of reached out to me, uh, extending even uh, prior to the Christmas holiday. and, And it's been in the works for a while now. And obviously at the top of, of the chain for FSU is Mike Norvell. Uh, what, I guess, about his personality did you say, okay, I want to come work for, for this guy? I've been following Coach Norvell since he was dialing it up for the Sun Devils and putting up big numbers and big wins there. I obviously, I'm a big fan of the no huddle, no mercy offense that he's ran throughout his stops, extending back to Tulsa and and even uh, his awesome work at Memphis and 
two cycles ago when there was, I think, 19 openings, I thought Florida State made the number one hire mm. in getting Coach Norvell, and I thought they hit the biggest home run. So I've had my eye on him for a while. Similar age, similar work ethic, similar personality, treats people right, and had a lot of check marks by it. And when he interviewed me about a month ago on a Thursday night, we did a FaceTime for 45 minutes. And, and honestly, guys, we could have went for four hours. <laughs> Just two guys that, that think fast, that are passionate about college football, passionate about people. And uh, the Seminoles have the right guy here. And that's the biggest reason why I made this uh, decision. Can you explain to us, we've had, had listeners and, and readers ask specifically like what the director of high school relations job does. And we've tried to describe it as like, it's kind of nebulous. You could do so many different things with it. Uh, specifically, Ryan, like what's your role going to be? How do you approach your job daily here at FSU? Now, I, I've done this now. This, this is my third run. I did it at uh, University of Oregon under Coach Cristobal. The last year I was at Syracuse University with Coach Dino Babers. So I've worked with some, some good men and, and great people. Um, high school relations is what it says. You want to keep a great relationship with who I feel is some of the best people in our country is the high school coaches of America. They help America's youth. They're in it for the right reason. And they use the great sport of football to teach great life lessons. And there, I mean, most of my friends in the country, uh, you know, hundreds of them happen to have the same job title. They're head coaches for high schools. And the majority of those are in Florida, in the Carolinas, in Georgia, in Virginia Beach, et cetera, in the hotbeds in our country. And so what I do is, is I hit up um, a ton of them every single day and attack them. And, and a lot of them are in the position of making decisions or helping decisions for these prospects on where they should go. So you use that to your advantage and use those ties, but you're also a resource to those coaches as they grow in the profession as well. So I am also in directly involved in the recruiting process, FaceTiming and mm -hmm. talking to kids as well, like I used to do in my previous career and building those relationships to help uh, Florida State continue to rebuild this roster and, and make it look how it's supposed to be. All right, last question for me. I'm going to throw it over to two of your former coworkers in, in Newburgh and Knee here. Uh, but one of my best friends, Ryan, is a is a diehard FSU fan. He follows you on Twitter, follows everyone on on Twitter, all the coaches, players, whatever. And uh, and he wanted me to ask you specifically when you tweet out, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah," is that in the the Kool Aid Man voice or Randy Savage voice? Or like, <laughs> how how is that going through your mind as you're tweeting it? That's in the Ryan Bardo voice, actually. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, much love to WWE Hall of Famer Macho Man Randy Savage and his big elbow drop. He is also a state native, a Sarasota native. So you always like the, oh, yeah. And then the Kool-Aid man, it's always fun when he shows up uh, running through the wall. Oh, yeah. But uh, mine stems back for many years and... Um, it's a great story on it, but it's always something that gets the fan bases is, is very excited when something good like a commitment happens. But um, obviously something I did a lot with the Ducks, something I did in my previous career, something I did with uh, the Syracuse Orange. And we've done our own spin on it with Florida State with the bum, 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 oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun with it guys. And, and that's what college football is all about. 
Oh man, Ryan, what is up? It's Newberg. Welcome, welcome to uh, welcome to Tallahassee. First and foremost, uh, did you ever think that you'd be living in Tallahassee? You know what? It it is a surprise. Um, I'm just glad I'm back in palm trees where the talent exists. I had some of my better runs covering camps with you, Juice Man, in in. Florida State and in Tallahassee, but uh, I view this as one of the top 10 jobs in the country. So it's definitely a blessing to be back where, where many people say where I belong. Oh, it's good to, it's good to hear my nickname again. You know, nobody said it like you did once you left 24 um, seven. I think the people need to know, like <clears throat> our re- relationship on, on the, uh, the recruiting trail was pretty special you and I spent a unique amount of time for some reason. I don't know what it was, but whenever it came to pairing people up at, at different events uh, for staying in hotels, they always put you and I together. Um, whether it was at Under Armour, whether it was at the coaching convention in Indy or Nashville, uh, wherever it was, for some reason, San Antonio, you and I were together. Um, and we also hit the recruiting trail. In, in your car, Mind you, when you came to town, Ryan, you would always come and pick me up. Um, that was something that I really enjoyed going from high school to high school with you. Um, we would hit about eight or nine in a day, have everything lined up, ready to go. We had some amazing times. So I know you love to do lists, right? Like you're a list right. guy. So give me your top three moments of being on the road in Tampa. Well, to give your your audience an idea, I did my job when I was a national analyst for 24-7. And even before that, when I was a Clemson Rivals guy, I did my job like a college coach in the spring eval period. I would go through 350 plus high schools a year and go into these places like Southern California or Dallas or Jersey down to Virginia Beach or the Carolinas or Central Florida and bomb into these places and go through 25, 30 schools and always make sure you went through the high school coach before you interviewed or evaluated any prospects, just like a college coach did. So nobody really kind of covered recruiting like that in in that dynamic. But I always thought that was the right way to go about it just because you can control your effort. You can control your attitude and you got to see the people and and make authentic relationships good. And, and, 99% 99% of the places I went to, like those kids benefited after I left and those coaches did too. So to bring it back all full circle, you're the only guy in the, that would drive along with me. You're the only one that understood that. Nobody in, in those other spots I mentioned, I was just doing it solo. Sometimes Keith Niebuhr would go out west with me and hop along and take pictures and drive and, and do all that. But you're the only one because you knew that area even better than me in Tampa. So we, in our situation, like most of the places, it went pretty smooth in when I came with you, whatever, whatever it was, there were some unique scenarios that happened. So I'll give you my maybe top three or four, you know, crazy situations when me and Newberg went through schools six, seven years ago in that Tampa St. Pete area. But obviously one, we went to see a four-star D end at Hillsborough, Zach Carter. Mm. And, I don't know if it was a shooting or a tornado or something, but we had to stay in that school. The alarms went off and we were scheduled to hit six, seven schools that day. And I think this was stop number two. 
Yeah. And so everybody got contained in that school. So we wound up only hitting three schools that day. Because only, hold, on, not, hold on. You're not selling it because not only, okay. So we go in this small coach's office where Zachary right. Carter is waiting to be interviewed by me and Barto. We always had everything lined up. So the coach at Hillsborough got Zachary Carter out of class in the, in the morning and had him waiting in this small little coach's office. So we go in there as soon as we get in there, Brendan, the alarm's going off. There was a shooting outside the school. They put right. the whole school on lockdown. We weren't allowed to leave this small coach's office. Neither was Zach for, I think it was like five hours. We were there till almost 1 p.m. I was and getting text updates the entire time this was happening. Did you, did Not you only from Josh, but also from Ryan. So I was getting like two camera version of what was happening. <laughs> they wouldn't even bring us food, anything. They would just come check on us like every hour and then just shut the door and tell us just to hang tight. It turned into well, a hostage a situation one. very quickly, it sounds like. Yeah, that was probably top five in terms of most time I had to spend at one school during the day. <laughs> and they had like one or two prospects. It's not like going to St. Thomas where you got to interview 20, 25 kids. Yeah. I mean, we were stuck, though. But another one, when <laughs> I remember ending a day at Tampa Freedom. And we're waiting there for two hours to interview Scott Patchen, who wound up playing for the Hurricanes, and now is at Colorado State. And this is like he, seven uh, years ago. This is seven right, years and, ago. Right. And some of these times you go in these schools and you, you just want to interview the dude and, and go on to your next school. And that's what we wanted. And this guy took forever to get Patchen, probably two hours. So he's just talking our ear off for two hours, telling us about all kinds of D2 and D3 kids. And we leave there and Josh is like, man, you should have just handed that coach a piece of like bubblicious because man, he just chewed up all our time. <laughs> and uh, that, that one liner is kind of stuck with us for a while. And then I think the next time around Byron Coward, who some people, oh, not 24, who some people not 24 seven had ranked as the number one prospect in the country we went to Armwood, which um, doesn't obviously have the, the greatest hit rate for, for college production, but has an awesome coach in Sean Callahan, who has a great rapport with uh, Josh. And so we go there after spending a, a great period of time at one of our favorite places in Tampa Tech, right across the street with Coach, coach, uh, coach Yeah. And, uh, so we go there and we check in at the front. And there's one of our competitors there. I think a Michigan rivals guy had flown all the way down to Michigan to interview with George Campbell, who, by the way, wound up with Florida State like uh, the good ones in this state should. And regardless, he goes all the way down there and he's waiting. Sean's like, yeah, Byron's just in the back here. He's in in-school suspension, but I can get him out for you two. So we get Byron Coward out of in-school suspension. We do the exclusive interview with him. The bell rings. We put him back in in-school suspension, and the guy that came all the way down from Michigan didn't even get an interview with the poor guy. So, um, Mind you, he was – uh, I mean, Cowart was a five-star at the time. He didn't do interviews. Um, he was hard to get, literally. Me and Barto just had so much fun going out on the road. Um, are you going to miss the fact that you can't really be out, like, on the road in person? Yeah, man, I love sitting down in those high schools and and chewing the fat with the coaches and finding about the transfers and the young kids and the sleepers and shoot. I mean, we had great times with Coach Wiener at Tampa Plant, a lot of mm -hmm. good perks there. And 
obviously, um, one of the one of the great times, Josh, is when I got to come up for Florida State camp, and I must have killed it so much that you wanted me to come back when the real number one prospect in the country, Josh Sweat, who again wound up at Florida State, oh, a free DM. And I had a great rapport with Josh, and he would pick up the phone for me, and so I had to be in down exclusive. It really wasn't in the budget. The double tree. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and so exclusive interview. And um, but um, it wasn't in the budget for me to be up there. So Josh had to do a few tweets. Uh, hashtag free Bardo to make sure I was in talent. <laughs> CBS, CBS was giving us a hard time about getting you up there. So I started the hashtag free Barto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I, I recommend this in the next six months or six years, or, you know, as long as I'm here, um, don't hold back. The hashtag free Bardo is always a welcome tweet from the juice fan. I got you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say you. I'm going to say you before you get yourself in trouble. All right, right. Before, before Chris jumps in, explain my nickname that you gave me. Okay, so Josh um, has great interest in the stuff that moves the dial. And that's coaching changes, commits, new leaders. So I'm like, that's what actually sells these subscriptions is juice. And that's what he brings to these sites, whether it's Bulls 247 or Knowles 247 is juice, whether it's bolting a story about like, you know, these recruits went to Hogan's Beach or or anything that's really going to move the dial. So that's what his forte is. And that's why he's the juice man. And I used to call Ryan the working man. Yeah. 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 And I think those are two nicknames that kind of can can last a life, you know, we were, we were tag team partners, the juice man and the working man. We were, we were definitely tag team partners there for a period of time. So Barto, yes, when, when we were talking about you getting hired, I said that some people cover recruiting. I consider myself one of those people and some people love recruiting. I consider you one of those people. I think you sold that in that last segment there without a doubt. <laughs> um, from your time doing this job on our side of the screen of covering recruiting, getting in schools, meeting coaches, how much did that help when you stepped into the role at Oregon the first time doing what you're now doing for a full-time job? Immensely, because those relationships in all the places I mentioned, Central Florida, South Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, Southern California, et cetera, the real hotbeds. I already had good water under the bridge with the high school coaches, with the seven-on coaches, with the decision makers where I have direct line to over a thousand of those high school coaches in the country. So I bring like an added value that some of these even assistant coaches that haven't been in those areas, I can lead them to water because I basically have already done in my previous career, what they're about to do. And especially in the Southeast, that's been even more beneficial at Eugene, Oregon and Syracuse, New York, Good places, but they are far away from the talent. And um, that's one thing that really excites me about FSU. You have ideal geography that close to South Georgia, that close to South Florida, where you can really um, get this thing rolling because of that geography. How much did your time at Oregon and then subsequently at Syracuse help you learn this job, though? The What you didn't know about this job beyond what you did before you had this job? Right. And one thing we were all talking about before, off the air before this started, when I was transitioning careers, I did a 19 school, 34 day, 9,000 mile drive from Ooh. Fort Lauderdale 
to Eugene, Oregon, to San Diego State and went through 19 programs and kind of got to pick the mind and job shadow personnel directors and recruiting directors for a day. I think the first week was like UCF, Florida, Georgia, Clemson. Then I went Tennessee, Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, made it to my home state in Wisconsin and did that, Nebraska, Utah. Week four was Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, then down in um, Southern California with USC, UCLA, San Diego State, Arizona State. And then on the last week, I brought it all the way home with uh, SMU, Auburn, and USF. And that was immeasurable. And then I learned so much from a guy that I think is the most passionate and intense recruiter in the country, Mario Cristobal, just in terms of what it takes to attack, attack, attack every day. And just getting up with him and, and lifting weights at 4.15 every morning and FaceTime and the whole board before noon. And we would have a text plan at every morning from at 7.30 of 15 parents or 15 kids or 15 juniors or 15 coaches that the whole staff would have to text everybody on that list before 8.30 every morning. And then 5 p.m. staff meetings where we would FaceTime these kids for two hours every night. It was like a guerrilla war assault. And you can see what's happening with the Ducks there recruiting. They had never got the top recruiting class in the pack. And we did it two years in a row there. And it's obviously led to some success for coach out there. And then at Syracuse, my role varied even more because they allowed me to be the directly like a primary recruiter. They have obviously one of the more, I think, underrated recruiters in the country, Nick Monroe, who signed 19 kids out of South Florida, Bowling Green, signed 18 to Syracuse out of South Florida. I think that's overachieving. And so he he signed a third of that class, but Coach Babers allowed me to run the point on a lot of those kids. So that's why you saw this class at Syracuse, which some say was maybe their second best class in the last 10 years. We got three kids out of South Carolina with my ties there. We got two kids out of the portal in, in Jacob Bradford and Garrett Schrader. We got a QB out of California and Justin Lamson and the top receiver in Virginia and Omari Hatcher, I think an instant impact guy. So it worked out really good where you could basically be the 11th recruiter on a staff and have success um, for that. So that, that was a different niche than the previous job where they really let me rip and roar with the orange. So I think coach Norvell is looking for a combination of both of that, be the 11th recruiter on the staff, hit up these coaches and kids nonstop, lead these coaches to water, but also use a lot of the same work ethic and, and same tactics that the Ducks showed me as well. What's some of your fast impressions of what you've learned of the guys here in a week or so you've been around them? I think there's a lot of good ball coaches, but most of all, a lot of good people. I think coaches hired a, a great staff of guys that can really help in the in the third aspect in terms of personnel use. I love their spread tempo offense. I love their 4-2-5, 4-3 defense. I think that that obviously um, the roster needs an ejection of you know, some size, some some perimeter speed, and that'll be the focus in these next couple classes. And obviously, um, when you do it right here, um, most of your roster should be from Florida and Georgia, two of the top four states to get talent. And, and you have direct access here at Florida State to do that. So I think 
what I've liked is the staff has been a sponge and they've used me and I've, I've learned a lot from them already in, in day eight here. And they're passionate about recruiting. And that starts from the head coach. And he attacks recruiting very similar to Coach Cristobal did. But he also, he treats his people like a million bucks here. So I think the work environment has been awesome so far. And every day, I mean, whether I'm up at three or four and 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 get my Cuban coffee and ready to get in the office here, I think um, I'm excited about the future here, man. We've seen how this place can be special and one of the true powers in college football. And I think college football, when it's at its best, Florida State has a seat at the table and that's what we're pushing for every day here. That's I'm going to pass the, the baton back to Josh. Let the juice <laughs> take over. Hold on real, real quick. Ryan, where do you get your Cuban coffee from? I'm curious. To... I have an espresso maker at oh, home okay. as well as the office. Hey, Ryan, did James Coley leave you one? I was going to say, was that like James Coley's gift to you? You just left it, whatever apartment you were going to settle in, he was going to send it. Yeah, James Coley wishes um, that he had Cuban coffee like this. <laughs> uh, Ryan, we're going to have to get you back on so we can tell some more stories. But, um, you know, we're excited that you're at Florida State now. Hell, I've got friends that text me. Shout out to Joe and Sam. Uh, they're big fans of Ryan Bartow and he's a writer for 24-7. So they're also FSU alum and they, they heard that you were coming on the pod and they were really excited. Um, but before we let you go, um, you said Coach Norvell has a lot of energy. Um, when it comes to recruiting, you've been around a lot of coaches. What is it about coach Norvell that makes him, um, some call him an elite recruiter? Uh, between his ears, he's intelligent. He has his fingers on the pulse of every part of this operation. I mean, he's advanced mentally. He has a great personality. His focus is elite and he's a legit dude guys. I, I mean, when I was at 24-7, I had access to, like I said, almost every program in the country. And I've dealt with the guys that I think are the best recruiters in the country. And most of all, he can eval extremely well. He knows what he wants. He's passionate about it. And he has a plan on how to attack this. And I mean, this is a legit dude, man. Florida State is lucky to have this guy. And I think in the years to come, this fan base is going to be extremely excited about it. How much are you looking forward to getting him in front of the people you know, especially some of the South Florida folks that may not be familiar with Coach, having not been able to meet him because of the dead period being ongoing? I can't wait. It's almost like, because they've heard me talk about this guy for years, back to when he was dialing it up for the Sun Devils. And so, I mean, these guys, these high school coaches in the Carolinas and South Florida, it's not like I went to practice and games in their school. These are guys I hung out with on the weekends. They're like pals of mine. So I, I want to share what the guy I work for and the type of man and type of person he is with them so they can see everything that I get to experience every day. And I think that's going to make them even more excited to give their blessing to send their legit dudes and, in your case, South Florida dogs up to FSU so we can get this thing rocking and rolling again. Oh, yeah. Give me an oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's your uh, – now that you're, you know, you're director of high school relations, what's your bat signal going to be? Like, do you have one when a kid commits? Like, what do fans need to follow uh, with your tweeting style? Well, um, you know, I'll have some unique graphics. You've seen some already. Um, I think you saw one. You got K-Camp um, working overtime? 
Hey, the first commit, there was a, a Heisman Trophy winner from Thomasville, Georgia, and, and Charlie Ward out there. I thought that was appropriate. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely uh, be creative in that regard, and I'm sure you wouldn't expect less. Right? No, not at all. But you're, like, you're excited. Little messages or direct? Yeah, just, I mean, that's something that I think every program, every assistant, that's really taken on a life of its own. In terms of any good news, you 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 grind so hard seven days a week that you want to celebrate any small victories, and, and verbal commits are are an example of that. Right, but I just want to let fans know, like you're you're active on Twitter, so not everything that you tweet means a commitment, right? Like you're out there just you're having fun. Oh, no, not not at all. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't just... think of it that way. You can only take twenty five a year, man. So. I mean, we get 365 days to, um, you know, be special. And so they're, they're going to see a lot of um, quotes and energy and most of all, a lot of great stuff about their favorite team. Awesome, Ryan. Well, listen, we really appreciate you taking this time out of your busy day. I know you're trying to get caught up on all things recruiting now that you're at Florida State. But man, welcome to Tallahassee. Welcome to the On the Bench podcast. Hopefully we'll get you back on at another date. But uh Man, it's great to have you. Thanks, guys, all three of you guys. Thanks for having me on. Definitely humbling, and God bless all three of you guys. Uh, See you, buddy. Thanks, Ryan.